Bodybuilding Dietitians podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for what is now episode 26 of our Road to 2023 series. And as always, you are joined by your hosts, Tiara and Jack. Now, once again, we do have a two-week, or what we like to call here in Australia, a fortnightly recap. So, Jack, how's your past two weeks been? Yeah, it's been really good. I wrapped up my training block. Uh, that was a seven-week block of training, uh, which is a bit unprecedented for me. I usually am pretty ready to deload after six weeks, but I don't know. Maybe for a combination of different reasons, uh, I thought I could push out an extra seventh week. And even then, like I wasn't as fatigued as I usually would be by the end of a block. And I think that's due to a combination of reasons. Like uh, one, management of fatigue is very good as it usually is and two i think it might have something to do with taking out hack squats which i took out midway through the block uh, to give my knee a bit of a break and i've been doing safety bar squats which i would have thought would generate more cns fatigue and more fatigue in general but maybe not but yeah regardless i'm deloading now so today's monday and this is the first day of my deload which I'll probably do a few rest days back to back, maybe for or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday I might go in for like a deload session and then do some more rest days. But yeah, like I, the again we kind of run through what deloading is every single time we deload, but it does pop up quite frequently, and a lot of people still don't deload. But again, the the purpose of a deload is to reduce fatigue and alleviate fatigue and. Uh, my preferred method of that now is by just taking rest days rather than going into the gym regularly still. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm doing. Yeah, there's a heck of a lot of different ways that you can go about it. But I think the overarching goal is by the end of a deload, you do want to be feeling rejuvenated, refreshed, and just in a really good headspace to hit training hard once mm. again. Yeah, certainly. And after this, I'll just start a new block of training. I'll pretty much go back to the usual intensity at which I train from week one, uh, which I enjoy doing. And nutrition wise, a little bit more conservative with the macros, of course, without training. And my steps are quite low as well at the moment due to my knee. So yeah, output isn't very high whatsoever. So just using my usual rest day macros throughout this deload. And otherwise, yeah, not, not too much else to report on had a really successful block of training for the first one of 2022 and uh, achieved some good numbers, some good progressions, and uh, very excited to see what's in store for the remainder of these training blocks. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how you were able to push out for an additional week for seven weeks because historically you've kind of always done a six-week mesocycle. And you mentioned how, you know, transferring over from hacks over to your safety bar squats potentially just a little bit of less fatigue there because you're adapting to a new movement pattern. How do you feel now going into safety bar squats compared to how you originally used to feel like anticipating your hack squats? Is it any different at all? I would say I don't get quite as nervous for the safety bar squats, which is nice. Um, yeah, it's just a quite a different movement because I feel like the limiting factor with the safety bar squats is more so not as much my lower body, but partly my stabilization and my back stability. So if I try and push out a very high intense last rep, then my 
lower back will kind of lean forwards and it'll flex a little bit, which is the is the limiting factor. And that kind of makes sense since I'm able to push a lot more load on the hack squat than the safety bar. So mm. potentially it's not quite as great for my lower body, particularly quad development, but yeah, it's, it's the best thing that I can do right now. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's still pretty damn effective. <laughs> but a few other points to touch on, I guess. So uh, body weight, I know people like to hear about like body weight and, and macros and where that's at. So body weight's about 89 kilos, which is getting into the territory of heavy for me and pretty happy with how the body composition is looking at the moment. I've been quite slack on social media about like updating on, on the physique, but I guess we're putting a lot of our, well, I'm putting a lot of my social media effort into TBD at the moment, not quite as much into my own personal one, just because of the, the way the algorithm works. <laughs> it seems to be a lot more favorable for uh, our style of content on TBD at the moment. Yeah, I feel like we definitely go through phases It's like right now, I feel as though we are so focused and invested on what we're doing that sometimes you forget to update the gram additionally as well. I feel like I'm quite active personally on my social media stories on Instagram, but my timeline, I don't know, when was the last time I actually posted a picture? (laughs) Yeah, quite a while. And yeah, it's much easier to post content and prep when things are happening more frequently and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But the way that I kind of treat it, though, is that when I do go on Instagram, I rarely actually scroll the feed and like I basically never scroll the explore feed, but I just watch a lot of people's stories. So I feel like almost as though you'll mirror what you kind of absorb as well. So if I'm always like watching other people's stories, I'll upload a lot more things to my stories, but I feel as though maybe if more people scroll the feed, maybe they'll more often then update things to the feed. Maybe. I'm not I'm not really sure, to be honest. Sometimes the, the app just gives me a bit of a headache sometimes. Mm. Yeah, it can be very hit and miss. Yeah, I go through phases of like taking it seriously, not taking it too seriously on my own account, but I feel as though TBD, we are 100% committed and invested into that. And that's kind of where all of our social media attention is going into like the actual, the bodybuilding dietitians Instagram account. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's reflecting well in the engagement that we get and how we're growing. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty cool. Like, I feel like when you actually look at the insights, it's interesting. Sometimes it's almost delayed like when you post a infographic it might not get on to explore immediately or it might not be seen by a whole bunch of people immediately but it's almost like in the next 48 to 72 hours following then it's popping up on explore and we've been able to reach like tens of thousands of people with some posts it's it's quite wild yeah i mean it's the mystery of the instagram algorithm no one it? will ever really know what's going on eh? Mm. <laughs> Hey guys, just a reminder that we offer coaching services, which you can find on our website by searching The Bodybuilding Dietitians on Google or via the show notes below. We coach anyone with a health and fitness related goal. But okay, so you did seven weeks of this training block and then you've got what, two more training blocks left until our holiday. And that kind of worked out a little bit perfectly, didn't it? So those next two can definitely just be six weeks. Yeah, that's the plan. I've kind of not that I really would change anything if it didn't line up, but it just happens to line up that I've got six weeks and then a week off and then six weeks and then the next week off will be our holiday Mm -hmm. in Bali. And so where's your body weight sitting around right now? And then 
do you want to cap your body weight around when you're on that holiday? Like what's your kind of plan there moving forward? Yeah. So AJ and I actually have a plan until prep about what's going to happen with body weight. And I think I know you in the past were kind of like hypothesizing about me reaching triple digits, which <laughs> yeah, it's just unproductive to get to that body weight and it would just mean losing over 20 kilos for prep. Uh, so Basically, the plan is to continue building up until the holiday and then go on the holiday at peak body weight, which I actually asked him to do because um, I'd much rather go on holiday without worrying about trying to do damage control after a mini cut. So yeah, basically mini cut upon coming back, which will be in early June. And after that mini cut, which I think will only go for like six to eight weeks. Uh, well, it's actually quite a conservative diet, to be honest, like it won't be too aggressive. And that's the benefit of not going up in body weight to crazy amounts. And then after that, another gaining phase, probably reaching up to a similar amount of like 92, 93 kilos. And then another mini cut or pre prep phase at that point, which will land me nicely for a maintenance phase until I start prep in April of 2023. Mm-hmm. And what are you predicting that kind of starting weight will be then for your prep? Probably about 88 kilos, I would say. Awesome. Like 86 to 88. Cool. But so quite similar to where you started last time, but obviously a very different body composition. And then you're predicting that your stage weight will be a little bit heavier. Yeah, my stage weight, I think, will be 78, I would say, mm-hmm. hopefully. I think last time, I mean, I got to 76 last time again, and I just looked a bit malnourished at that point. Like I didn't... I mean, you would disagree, but <laughs> I just think that although I had good conditioning, I just didn't have enough density, which is quite normal at that age to compete to really look my A game. So yeah, that's the goal this time is to actually have enough density to look quite good at that body be- or look better at that body weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that, you know, you and I are in such a position that we can plan this far ahead and we're both planning to not start our preps in any position where we are overly fat and have to lose a dramatic amount during the prep itself. Mm. So uh, yeah, just the benefits of obviously giving yourself a good timeline. Yeah, for sure. It's the pre-prep phase is probably the most underrated aspect of uh, of bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why if a client signs up with you, like it's so beneficial to work with them through a solid improvement season. And then you can implement that pre-prep phase as well rather than just jumping straight into a prep. It's, oh man, it just makes a world of difference. Mm. Yeah, but anyway, what about your last two weeks? Man, okay, well these last two weeks, I really feel like they've been almost in two parts. So after we recorded our last podcast, I'm not gonna lie, I was just hit with this like enormous wave of fatigue. It was very abnormal, but I just felt so ridiculously tired. Like. Despite sleeping all through the night, I wasn't even waking up to pee. And we go to bed at like 8.15 at night and I wake up around 5.30 in the morning. I was still just waking up and I was still just really tired. Like that type of tired where I go for a walk in the morning and my eyes would almost feel a bit wet. I, I don't know quite how to describe it, but I was just absolutely exhausted. And I haven't been that exhausted since the very end of prep. (laughs) So I was like, why is this just all of a sudden come on me? And 
even uh, uh, quite a few people who wear makeup would know this, but when you have like mascara or eyeliner on or something, it's normal for the undersides of your eyes to look a little bit dark and then you'll wipe that away with like some moisturizer or some makeup cleaner. And I kept like trying to wipe away like this darkness under my eyes, but it's weird because I only wear makeup like once every two weeks if I go out and do something and might want to look a little bit nicer. <laughs> but obviously like I just kept wiping under my eyes and the biggest thing indication to me that was so strange is that like I just fell into this really weird habit of taking naps in the afternoon. Like in the afternoon, if I had like a half an hour break between client calls, I'd say to you, I'm like, I'm just going to take a nap. And you're like, Jared, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it was very unusual for you to see you on the couch at that time. Yeah, it was strange. I just needed a power nap. It was very strange. And the last time I was that exhausted, like I said, was like, the peak end of prep when I fell into that really bad habit that one week where I was taking naps every single day in the bath. Gosh, thank God I pulled myself out of that. But I was like, why am I feeling like this? And I was genuinely very concerned. So I booked in a doctor's appointment and I had some blood tests done because I'm like, am I iron deficient? You know, these, these few weeks where there hasn't been any kangaroo on the shelves and I've had to eat a little bit of chicken instead. Like, has that somehow made me a, like iron deficient? Who, who flippin' knows? I pushed through. That was my final week of my sixth week of my training block. I still pushed through and just got it done early in the morning. It was usually in the afternoon that like the fatigue would really, really hit me and I had to take a power nap. But then I started my deload on the Saturday. And what I did was I treated myself to a day at the beach. And what actually happened was I drove to the beach and then I walked down the beach for about like 25 minutes. And I was just feeling really tired. So I was like, that looks like a nice spot of sand. So I just crawled up this little sand dune on Main Beach, laid on my back in the sand and just fell asleep for half an hour. <laughs> and then I woke back up, walked back down the beach, had some lunch, and then I fell asleep again after my lunch. So uh, yeah, I was quite concerned. So had some blood tests done and the blood test came back a few days later and lo and behold, your girl is healthy as can be. Absolutely nothing was wrong. You know, my iron's actually higher than ever. My thyroid's fine. Everything is in range, which is really good. And what I'm thinking is that maybe I just had some low-key spicy cough. Like, who knows? Maybe I actually did have COVID, but I just didn't have any symptoms other than just feeling really tired. I'm not actually sure. Uh, and even the doctor was like, we can't actually say for sure because we, they didn't test for any antibodies or anything like that, but they, they don't actually know. Uh, but either way, that was like that first half of the week. And then I started feeling a hell of a lot better. And now I'm feeling fully back to myself. And you never actually appreciate how nice it is to feel good and awake and just like a normal thriving human being until you've just like gone through a stretch of days where you've just felt absolutely wrecked. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting how it was very acute and you did seem to take action after a short period. Mm. And like something that I often use for myself whenever I have like some sort of medical issue, which is very infrequent or I think something might be going on is I'm like, Unless it's something very serious, like, okay, you know you have some a stomach bug or you know you, your head is absolutely killing you, you need to go see a doctor. But 
my my parents used to tell me who were both physicians like wait two weeks Mm. and if it's still persisting after two weeks then maybe you should go and do something about it Mm -hmm. um and i guess that's can be taken very literally but also in the wrong way as well like if you've got a broken leg obviously go see someone someone but what you were experiencing was very like general it was quite benign other Mm. than fatigue so that's probably what I would have done yeah it was just very abnormal for me and I think the main thing is because I know that I have a history of iron deficiency that I know that all of the symptoms I was experiencing with just a lot of fatigue and just like darkness under my eyes I genuinely was concerned that maybe I have low iron again and if I had low iron, then I'd want to get on top of that immediately and potentially look at getting an iron infusion or something like that too. So I'd, I'd rather be reactive and proactive. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, got to the bottom of it and uh, feeling a hell of a lot better now and just probably super extra refreshed too post deload. Yeah, that's good. So how long, how many days did you take off the gym? Yeah, so I rested from Saturday and then I got back into the gym on Thursday. So a solid five days of rest there. I went to the gym once on Tuesday just to do a few exercises, but not an actual session. I'd say it was more just exercising rather than training. Hey guys, just a reminder that we post regular informative content on both our Instagram and YouTube channel. So make sure to go over to those platforms and search The Bodybuilding Dietitians. See you there. Yeah, that's good it's good deload protocol and just like we said earlier different approaches work for different people yeah but ultimately feeling super fresh super good and ready to get into this next mesocycle have made a few changes to my training moving forward just slightly because i did have a consult with joey last week where we were just able to take some skin folds i was able to have him look over my training program and make a few little tweaks here and there the main changes that i've actually made are I have decided to swap over from my kettlebell Bulgarians over to Smith Machine Bulgarians. It's just time. You know, I've been progressing with those kettlebells for a long while, but I just really want to give it a go on the Smith Machine now and did that session actually this morning and boy oh boy, like I'm going to have some quad and glute doms I think for the next like two days at least. But I'm happy to be on the Smith machine now. It feels it feels really good. So that's that's it feels good, but it also oh man, boy does it hurt. <laughs> uh, but you're just able to obviously just sink down, almost pause, and then push right back up. And I just don't have to worry about that stability aspect at all anymore. Like I've mm-hmm. proven to myself, like I can hold some heavy ass kettlebells and I can stabilize myself in that position. But you know, I've, I've demonstrated that to myself and now I can move on. So kind of upgrade my Bulgarians, which feels really good. So change that over. My leg press did take a leaf out of your book and I've decided to put some bands onto my leg press just to give it even more of a quad emphasis. And if you want to see a sneaky tutorial on how to set up a banded leg press, you can actually go check out the Jack Radford Smith Instagram page. Yeah, it's, I've got a recent reel up on there about how to set it up, which uh, might be useful if you've never done it before. Mm-hmm. I think you used it as a tutorial. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's super helpful. And boy, the quad shakes are real with that thing because it just makes it so that the lockout and like when there's the most tension on your quads in that position, it's really tough. 
it's really, really tough, but I've never felt my quads like that on a leg press before. So I'm just hoping that just helps my quads blow up because I think that and my delts, if there's anything on my body that needs to continue to grow, it is certainly those two muscle groups. <laughs> mm. Yeah, there's nothing quite like the banded leg press. It just makes that, for those who don't know, it makes the lockout position so much more difficult. And you can also imagine it makes the eccentric phase more difficult as well because it's pulling the 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 load towards you with even mm -hmm. greater force. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's definitely not just one of those Instagram sort of exercises that you see people just adding bands to random things. <laughs> mm. Yeah, those are some of those are pretty ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> but that and uh, just adding in like some descending sets into my leg extension, adding in a few more lateral raises. And what I've actually done is I've taken out my Smith Machine OHP and I've actually replaced that with Landmine Press, which I'm really freaking enjoying. It's been a hell of a long time since I actually did a Landmine Press. Last time would have been years ago back at UQ Sport, but it's actually a movement I really enjoy. So keen to keep progressing with that. But just a few little changes there to my training program. but still continuing with like two lower, two upper, and then that development day, which I love the name for that, which is essentially just a day where I just purposely do exercises that I need to prioritize the growth of those muscle groups even more. Other than that, got a plan together with Joey, just everything moving forward. So started off this dieting phase at around 70 kilograms. Plan is to push down into around 64 kilograms within these next seven weeks left to go now, because I've been dieting now for three weeks and then hold that for a little while and then give myself a range to be able to push up back closer to around 69, 70 kilograms by the end of this year. Then I'll do a little mini diet down to around 66 kilograms and then a pre-prep phase to maintain that and then basically start my prep from 66 kilograms, which will put me in a really good position next April to begin a prep and not have to lose a huge amount of weight and just ultimately have a really good starting point. Mm. Sounds like a solid plan. Yeah. Similar to mine. Yeah. You and me both, man. Planning ahead. <laughs> uh, but I guess the only other thing to report is that, yeah, I've been dieting for three weeks now. Last time I did an update, I think I'd lost about a kilogram. I went down from 70 to 69 in that first week. Since then, I've dropped another 1.4 kilograms. So now it's 67.6 kilograms, which is pretty solid. So 2.4 in three weeks now. So pretty happy with that haven't made any adjustments to my nutritional intake. So still hitting that 140 protein, 225 carb and 45 grams of fat per day and haven't really made any adjustments to my meal plan other than actually Jack, I did add in three corn thins because <laughs> what I was finding that in the afternoon with my fruit bowl, so I have like some diced up fruit, some high protein yogurt and a few almonds on there. Depending on the size of my piece of fruit, it might be a few grams more or a few grams less in carbohydrates. And then so that I can hit my total daily quota for the end of the day, what I've just decided to do is just add in like a rice cake or two or three, depending on how big that piece corn of fruit thin or is. Corn a rice cake? A corn thin, sorry. Uh, uh, people say them interchangeably, but they're mm. not. Corn and rice are different grains. <laughs> Yeah, I think in the US, it, it's much more popular to have corn thins. Mm, yeah, so clarify, definitely eating corn over here, but the corn thins, but guess what? Well, did what? I say corn thins or rice? You said corn thins. Okay, it's more popular to have rice cakes. Yeah, rice cakes over in the US, and those rice cakes are 
thick. Mm. You know, here in Australia, they're like really thin rice cakes. But in the in the U.S., like when you see bodybuilders eating rice cakes, I'm like, geez, Louise, that's like, oh, it's like a, a hard piece of bread. <laughs> but either way, having some corn thins. That's the first. This is the first time I've ever had corn thins in my life. Like, it's interesting because I... It does I, taste similar to popcorn, doesn't it? Similar, yeah, with the corny flavor. But I just can't believe that it took me 24 years to actually eat them. Because usually, you know, I recommend them to people like, oh, you know, you want a, a snack? Why don't you have some corn thins? But I realized that, geez Louise, Terry, you've actually never eaten these things. And it's interesting. It's like they... It, it's almost like the corn version of cotton candy. You know, when you eat cotton candy and it kind of just dissolves in your mouth... Corn thins are strange because they look hard and it's like they're decent volume, I guess. But you bite into one and it kind of just like dissolves in your mouth. It's very strange. Mm. But either way, now I'm eating a few corn thins with my fruit and yogurt and nuts in the afternoon. But that's basically the only change that I've made. So it's good. Still riding out those macros and dropping a decent amount each week, which is good. And that was the whole plan all along. That's why I was so aggressive from the start and just cut down by a thousand calories from what I was eating prior so that I could ride out these macros for a number of weeks and don't just hit a plateau. And I think there's, there's a lot of merit in that, in that when you're in an improvement season phase, purposely trying to eat more food and being able to really get your energy availability up in a really good position so that if you do go into a diet, if you are on paper aggressive with the amount of calories you're cutting away, the number that you're then dieting on isn't all that aggressive. You know, me going from around 2,800, 2,900 calories, cutting away 1,000 calories, that still got me on 1,800, 1,900 calories per day, opposed to if I only got myself eating just over 2,000 calories per day in my improvement season, I wouldn't be in the position to just be like, see you later, 1,000 calories. I'd be dieting right now on close to 1,000 calories. Mm. Yeah, so it's just, you know, a little bit of something to Strategy. think about. <laughs> yeah, try try to eat that food and try to get it try to get it up high so that, you know, you can uh you can be pretty effective when you go mm. to diet. Yeah, I guess that's the benefit of metabolic adaptation and it won't always be that easy for other people. Some mm. people don't metabolically adapt quite as quickly, but mm. we also know as well that just because you have metabolically adapted in the in the off season or in a gaining phase doesn't mean that the dieting phase will be easy mm. either. Like next time you prep, you'll we'll both have to be on the same food or maybe even less food if we need to push even harder than the prep before. Yeah. And so. I, I know from my past three preps that it's almost inevitable. At some point I'm always going to end up around that 1400, 1500 calorie mark. Mm. And that's just what you need to do. <laughs> but according least... to Instagram though, you shouldn't be dieting on that much. Oh, okay. All right. Instagram. Okay. <laughs> I Instagram. don't like that. Some people say like, Oh, if you're dieting below 1800 calories, you're, you're doing it wrong. Mm. Just, yeah. But I think bodybuilding is one unique, but two, like you shouldn't really take credit for that you can only do what is in your capabilities mm -hmm. like if, if you are 100 percent certain that you're tracking accurately and you are relatively active throughout the day as well or even if you aren't active you need to accept that okay this is literally the amount i need to lose weight mm -hmm. there will be those unfortunate circumstances for some people where they've kind of drawn that short straw in terms of genetics potentially and they really do have to diet on mm -hmm. on a on a very low amount of food in order to lose weight. Yeah, ultimately you gotta do what you gotta do. But I find that in those circumstances, 
it's usually quite relative. It really does come down ultimately to how you feel. You know, someone who's dieting on 1,200 calories genuinely might feel the same as someone who's dieting on 2,200 calories. Sure, the person who's eating 2,200 calories, they get to eat a few more bites of food during the day. But let's say that their energy output was a lot higher and they were still in a relative same energy deficit. It's, it's all relative to actually to mm. how you feel. Yeah, 100%. Like I, and once you get to a certain body fat as well, like this is kind of more exclusive to bodybuilding, the amount of food doesn't matter. It's no. not going to change how energetic you are. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think both of us could probably relate to that right now, that it really is a body fat thing. So for example, me on 225 grams of carbs right now, around 1800 calories, I feel so good. I genuinely feel so freaking good right now. I genuinely do not feel like I'm dieting. It's almost like dieting is just going on in the, the in the background. Phase. Yeah, I'm in that honeymoon phase, but the reason is, is because I still have a decent amount of body fat on my frame. When I'm in prep, if I'm like lean as a bean and I'm around 57 kilograms on 1800 calories, I still feel like just so exhausted and lethargic and food focused and hungry, but that's because I just don't have much body fat on me. So yeah, it really is a matter of how much body fat you actually have on you, not necessarily the amount of carbohydrates that you're eating. And I think a lot of people who have been through a, a prep can relate to that. You know, even, mm. even if you get a high carb day sort of thing, like it's almost like psychologically it's nice. And yes, you get to eat a few mouthfuls of food, but it's short-lived. Like it's it's not going to make you feel great in the long run until you actually start gaining some weight again. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, some people will hear that and maybe not believe it, but yeah, those people who have gone through prep will certainly understand. Yeah, most certainly. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much me. It's been a good past two weeks. I'm feeling super duper good and uh, just keep kicking on with this diet. So hopefully next time I check in, I should certainly be in those 66 kilograms and three weeks down now, 2.4 kilograms down and I've got about 3.6 kilograms to go, give or take in the next seven weeks or so. So I think it should definitely be achievable. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good rate of loss. Yeah, thank you. And it's just nice dieting alongside all the competitors right now who are in really their depths of prep because uh, I feel like I'm kind of almost part of the pack. But also, I, it's it's almost nice to be like, I can definitely do this because like we just said, I'm definitely not as lean as a competitor who's seven weeks out right now. So I've got absolutely nothing to complain about, my man. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite feeling those prep feels when you're just a few weeks out mm, certainly puts it into perspective yeah and that's what it's always nice to remind myself of that yeah it's um it's been good well you know keep going but jack before we head off what's something that you want to improve this week well that's easy it comes every deload but just to recover for the next training block and i know that taking quite a few days off from the gym will really help with that not just the the physiological aspect but also the the cns side of things like mm -hmm. Get looking forward to moving some heavy weight again. Yeah, I bet you are. And just to, to really crave being back in there once again. Mm, for sure. And what about you? Well, I think I almost feel as though maybe this is going to be my thing that I want to keep improving for the next couple of weeks. But I just like to keep seeing a little bit of body fat just go away. You know, it's, mm. it's nice. I genuinely feel kind of like myself again, because 
when I gain weight, like the first place it usually goes on is around my waist and like my lower back and my face as well. Like I just feel like a gopher, but luckily I feel like that's also the first place that it comes off to. So my face is looking a little bit slimmer, which is kind of nice, but my waist, like I just feel like I have less fat on my waist now too. And it just, it feels Makes so much sense, more. Makes sense given you've lost some weight. <laughs> but it, it, like, as a girl who wears tight active wear, when you're really pushing body weight up, you get to that point where it's starting to feel a little bit uncomfortable. Like you have a little bit of skin that like kind of pops out between your high-waisted shorts and your crop top. And you're like, ooh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get to my peak where I might want to start cutting this back a little bit. Uh, but after a few weeks of losing a bit of that, I genuinely just feel more comfortable in my clothes, which is a mm. really nice feeling. Well, I think you look great all the time, regardless of what body weight, body fat you are. Okay. And this is why you're my boyfriend, not my coach, because I need <laughs> someone to tell me the truth. You know what I mean? <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. If you did enjoy it, please remember to take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram stories, tag Jack, tag myself, tag TBD. And we'll catch you next week.